God's word for us this morning, the teaching is based on John chapter 4. We'll begin with the verse 5 there. If you'd like to follow along, you can find it on page 862 and 863 in these little white and blue Bibles there. This is a great section for us to see how Jesus invites a very different kind of person into his new kingdom and his new world. You don't need to know a whole lot of background to understand the ideas in this section, or at least the history of it. Uh, Jesus is in a place called Samaria at this time. The Samaritans claim to be those who were left behind by the Assyrians when they took most of the Israelites off to captivity. Uh, And so by this point in time, this woman has been an outcast or, you know, an, kind of an exile, right? She's been the, the forgotten left behinders for more than 700 years. The Samaritans are still there to this day. Maybe that's the interesting part of the story. Uh, and based on the numbers I could find, it's about 840 of them left. There's a few other small pockets of them in other places of the world. It's really too bad, only 840 of them left. Because as you see, Jesus handle this woman, you can see all of the encouragement and how well he speaks to her. And that's what I I would like to be able to show us today. Not really the harshness of this, but just how well he speaks to her and how he invites us to become like her. And so let's see that from Jesus here in John chapter 4. Now, Jesus starts this event, as you can see there, saying to her, you know, will you give me something to drink? I'm thirsty. Can you, can you give me something to drink? But then the shocker comes just a few sentences later in the conversation when he says to her, I give living water. Do you hear that? He says, I'm thirsty. And then he says, I give living water. I'm thirsty. I give living. Well, which is it, Jesus? Right? Either you have water or you don't. You know, well, that's the contrast in the section. So what does that bring out for us, right? How do we figure that out? If you look through the Bible, the next time that Jesus speaks of water and thirst helps us a lot. On the cross, he says, I'm thirsty. What does that mean? Probably one helpful place to look is is Psalm 42. In Psalm 42, The psalmist writes, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? That's it. You hear that? In the Bible, thirst is a metaphor for longing for God. The point is, is that in the Bible, thirst is this common metaphor, this common picture word, for the spiritual, eternal uh, emptiness, the searching, the longing, the agonizing emptiness or desire, and and even the death that we have in us for, for God. Apart from God, there's this big longing and desire in our, in our hearts. If you read through the Bible, if you read through the Psalms, Isaiah, Jeremiah, this, uh, and let's see, who else? Yeah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, that's a good start. You'll see that this picture, this idea of thirst is used over and over for people who are looking for God's presence. The opposite is true a little bit too. That where God is, there is water. 
For example, the Garden of Eden. It, it always surprises people if you read the first chapters of the Bible. The Garden of Eden has four rivers in it. How many rivers does your garden have? Probably not four. No, but I mean, obviously the Garden of Eden was bigger than just your garden at home. Four rivers. God's presence brought water. And another time, Abraham and Lot are looking over the land in front of them. They say it's well watered like the Garden of the Lord. There's this connection. The presence of God means water. It means life. So then when we get in this section, he says, I thirst, I am thirsty. What is he saying? The Bible is saying to us that there's something that our soul needs, right? There's something that our soul needs just as much as we need water for physical life. There is a, a longing, a searching, a, a desiring in our souls, a thirsting for something. And if you're, the bucket of your soul is in anything other than God, if it's in anything other than the love that God gives, if it's in anything other than the words of God and the promises of God, then the bucket of your soul is going to be empty. That's what this section is starting to tell us. Think about Jesus on the cross. That's where it really gets helpful. On the cross, Jesus says, I'm thirsty. Now, I'm sure some of you have read through the history of Jesus' death before. Up to the point on the cross where he says, I'm thirsty, has he complained at all about the physical problems that he goes through? Think about that for a section, right? Up to that point, he has been beaten. He's been whipped. He's been flogged, so they whipped him with a very special and cruel kind of whip. They had a, a crown of thorns put on his head. They blindfolded him. They spat on him. The Bible doesn't tell us that he cried about it. I don't care how tough you are. <laughs> that had to hurt. There's no ow or ouch. Or man, that really, that one got me. He doesn't, there's no discomfort at all. In fact, the Bible makes the point to tell us that he was silent like a, a sheep before the shears. Why does he say then, I'm thirsty? We, we know it's for a reason. It, it says even that the scriptures might be fulfilled, he says, I'm thirsty. What's, what's, that, what's that reason? Psalm 22, it says, I'm poured out like water. My strength is dried up like a piece of earthenware in the furnace. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. Does that sound like somebody who is thirsty? Yeah, and that's Psalm 22. He's, he's quoting that psalm on the cross. And the first line of that psalm, the line that he starts out with, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did he say I'm thirsty on the cross? Because he experienced what it was like to not fail God. He experienced what you and I go through to not have God. That's what the Bible means when it says, I'm thirsty. Now, was Jesus thirsty at the well? Absolutely. Was this woman thirsty? Yeah. I'm not saying it wasn't physical. It wasn't real, right? I'm saying, how can Jesus go from saying, can I have some water, to I've got the living water? Can I have some water? I've got living water. It's because of this. It's because thirst is a metaphor for our longing, our desiring for God. 
And Jesus tells this woman, I've got living water. There could hardly be a bigger contrast in Bible times and Bible stories. Remember last week, we heard about this man, Nicodemus, older man, probably rich, well-respected, a Pharisee, very religious, member of the, it was called the Sanhedrin, the 70 ruling people. This week, it's the exact opposite. A woman, probably poor, a Samaritan, she's an outcast. And what does Jesus tell her? Look at this conversation. He starts the conversation with her. Will you give me something to drink? And the woman says back to him, why do you ask me for something to drink? Don't, don't talk to me about having something to drink. Well, if you really knew what I have, you would ask me for living water. He doesn't shut her down at all. In fact, he gets her to keep asking, doesn't he? And she says, why are you talking about living water? Do you think you can do this, this great thing, this better thing than even our forefathers? And, and he doesn't say, why do you doubt me? Like he says to so many other people. Why do you question me? He says, keep asking. Keep talking about this. Let's go get your husband and I can, I can give you this living water. And at the end of the story, it's something even more remarkable because she says, I have all of these religious questions. I'm not sure in life. Maybe. And he says to her some of the most profound words in the whole Bible, I am, or I am he. Do you know what those words mean? Sometimes people will point out to you, you know, Jesus never says, I am God. Has anybody ever said that to you? You don't have to put your hand up. Maybe somebody said it to you. I, Jesus never says, I am God. It's true. If you're, if you're pulling out your English Bible and you do a search on Bible Gateway for the words, I am God, you'll never find that from Jesus' mouth. Jesus was a Jewish person. When God revealed himself to Moses, he used the words, I am. That's the name he gave himself, I am. Jesus says to this woman, this probably poor, outcast, grieving woman, this, this woman who is on her sixth husband in life, he says, I am. Think about that contrast. He's not in the temple. How did he treat the temple? He made a mess of the temple, didn't he? He's not with the Pharisee and the, the high religious leader. He's with a woman who's alone in the middle of the day. He's with a woman who's obviously gone through a lot of grief if she's on her, her sixth man in life. He's on a woman who's looking for love and for longing and, and for somebody to care for her. I mean, otherwise, why should, would she be on her sixth person in life? And he says, I I'm God. I'm right here. I am your God. God has not forgotten you. God has not overlooked you. God is everything for you. Right here. Friends, isn't this great news? This is, this is the best news ever. The point is, everybody's got a soul. Everybody's got this thirsty soul inside of them, right? Everybody's got to have a, has a thirsty soul that has to drink something, has to be watered so we can live and Jesus says, I'm that water. 
You know, do you remember, uh, I, I wanted to, to make a little comparison for you. Maybe you don't believe me that everybody has a thirsty soul. Do you remember uh, the Sprite commercials from the 90s? What were the Sprite commercials from the 90s? Remember those? Got it? Obey your thirst. Huh? Why do you think they said obey your thirst? Do you actually know Sprite started out that commercial series, if you go back to the early 90s, with this phrase, control your thirst. Control your thirst. And then somebody had the, the, the great insight, you know, when you're thirsty, you really can't stop yourself. You just got to do whatever your thirst says. Now, I realize they were talking about physical thirst, but don't you think there was probably a little bit of a metaphor there? And then, have you noticed, have you noticed what they've said recently is the theme for their new, their new commercials? It's right up here, thirst for yours. They've even given up on this idea that somehow you can control the thirst that you have. And they've just said, the thirst is running your life. The thirst is, is over your whole life, and you've got to obey it. You've got to follow it. You should have that thirst and want what's yours. Now, I, I tell you this. If, say, put it, i put it to you this way. If, if Sprite has enough insight on a human behavior to say that when you and I have physical thirst, it's not really controllable, right? that you should just thirst for yours and let your thirst have its way in your life, if Sprite can say that, don't you think Jesus might have even a better insight about human behavior? We really do have a spiritual thirst, a spiritual longing. And if you don't get that thirst satisfied, if you don't handle that thirst, if you don't quench that thirst, you're not going to live. You'll get dried up. That's what Jesus puts up here. And there's all kinds of things that you and I can try to use to, to quench our thirst. Let me give you a, a little comparison, if I can. It's a little strange, I admit, but I think it really works. You know, you could, I am not going to throw or do anything weird with the, the alcohol, right? You, you can drink alcohol, if you'd like. You can drink liquor. And, and a little bit will go a long way. May feel good. But the one thing that it won't do for you is, is quench your thirst. It won't satisfy your thirst. If you have pain, it might dull the pain a little bit. If you want to have your taste buds activated, if you want to feel good about life a little more, you can drink some alcohol. Now, on the other hand, water, water, I'll be honest, it's boring. It's really boring, isn't it? How many of you like drinking water? Yes, a few of you, right? But... But how many of you, if you had your choice, would drink the sparkling flavored water because at least it tastes good? Yeah? Now you don't have to tell me. You know I'm right. Nobody wants to just drink plain, boring water. But it will quench your thirst. It will satisfy you. It will keep you alive. Now, if, if that is true of something simple, like the difference between alcohol and water, how much more true is it with all of the other things in life? There's a zillion ways you can quench the thirst of your soul. A lot of them are really fancy. They're really beautiful. I know that coming to church, 
I know that sitting down to read your Bible, I know that praying, I know that forgiving other people, I know that passing on a word of encouragement, I know that telling somebody Jesus lives and there's resurrection after this world, I know that digging into Christian teaching and doctrine, honestly, it can be really boring sometimes. Right? It's just like drinking water. But it fills your soul in a way that all of the other fun things of life, money, power, enjoyment, ecstasy, not the drug, I mean just the excitement, everything else cannot do for you. It is the one thing that will actually satisfy your spiritual longing. And what is that thirst? Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said on the cross, I am thirsty. I thirst. What's that thirst? Why is he crying out on that cross? It's because, as he already said, he feels abandoned by God. He feels forsaken. In that moment, he is experiencing what it is actually like for you and for me to not have God in our lives. He is experiencing the judgment that comes on us because of evil and wrongdoing and all of the sin in the world. He's experiencing the punishment that happens to us. He's experiencing hell itself. He knows what it's like to not have God love you and look on you with pleasure and delight. He knows all of those things. That's why he's thirsty. That's why he's dried out. And he's done that. He's done that all so that he can say to this woman and to you, I'm the living water. I poured myself out so that you can have all of the gifts of heaven. I poured myself out, my life out, so that you can have eternal life. I poured myself out so that your, my spirit would, would spill out and you could be filled with it. Right? That's this news. He doesn't just want you to be feeling good about life. He wants you to be filled up with all of these good things. And that's the thing that, that he would have us take away today. That he doesn't just want us to be feeling good about how we go through this life but that we would be filled up with good. You know, if I got to pick somebody in this story that I would like to be, I certainly wouldn't mind being this woman. Would you like to be this woman? That's not a bad place to be. Jesus never yells at her once, and she's the one person probably in the whole Bible that Jesus says, I'm God to. That's pretty cool. I wouldn't mind being this woman. And, and if I had to be one person, I would like to be this one person who gets to run back and tell everybody, you know, I met God today. <laughs> it was awesome. He told me all the things that I'd ever done in my life, and I don't feel terrible about it. Now, let me, let me give you a comparison from our time just to make you think a little bit. Maybe you remember back in 2008, there was a TV show called The Moment of Truth. Anybody watch that one? You don't have to tell me. You know, just think about that for a second. Did you watch that TV show? On the show, a contestant was asked 15 questions. And if they answered the questions all truthfully, they got $500,000. It was not a quiz show, though. You didn't have to answer them correctly. You had to answer them truthfully. And in 2008, there was a woman named Lauren who played on it. And she answered the first 11 questions correctly. In it, she admitted even to stealing. So she's, she's airing out all of her, her things. Her husband is sitting right over there. The next two questions, she admits to adultery. And the last question, the guy looks at her and says, okay, are you sure you want this one? Do you think you're a good person? And she said yes. And both 
the lie detector machine that she was hooked up to, and the lie analyst, analyst said she was lying. She was booted off the show. She lost everything for lying that she was a good person. Do you think she went home and told everybody, you guys have got to go on this game show? It tells you everything you ever did. It makes you face the reality about yourself. And it's just the most wonderful thing that I've ever had happen to me. Absolutely not. She ended up getting a divorce. Her husband left her because of that adultery. That's the difference here. Jesus sits with this woman. She runs back and says, he told me everything I ever did. And it's the best news of her life. That day she got living water. God wants you more than anything to have your sins forgiven, to have the hope of heaven, to have righteousness and goodness in this life, to feel good about the things that you do and who you are, not because you're such a perfect person and everybody loves you, but because God thinks good things about you. And you can have that. You can have that right here when you know the man who said, I thirst for you. You may not always feel good seeing him on the cross, but you will be filled with good. And that's what really matters. Let's pray that we would be filled with that good. Lord Jesus, you showed us today in this word that very often in our lives, we, we try to feel good about stuff. That doesn't always fill us with good. We ask that you would, would let these things that we, we try to feel good about uh, fall away from our lives. Stop trying to, to please us and pleasure us and make us happy and, and let us turn away from them. Let us instead be, be filled with your word and with your promises and with your gift of new life. Let us see you clearly. Our Savior, our Lord, our Redeemer, the King of the universe, the one person who can really fill us up. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen.